If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Vehicles, but on where the road. 19.7 FM. Our road network, especially the one from Aflao all the way to Alubo, must see some dualization in the coming years. The one from Accra all the way through Kumasi, Techima, and Kintampo to Tamale, to Borga, and rest must also see some dualized. That's what we are looking forward to. This would be the panacea. To many of the head-on collisions killing many in Ghana, as explained by Dr. Pokuariampuma, chief executive of the Kolebu Teaching Hospital. Most of the are from head-on collisions. Welcome to Springboard, your virtual university. This is your most inspirational show and the point of convergence for the greatest minds. My name is Albert Okran, welcoming you on behalf of the Virtual Academic Board, chaired by Comfort. This is the beginning of a brand new series that I believe will shake your very foundations. So call somebody to call somebody to join us for this all-important discussion. Springboard is brought to you by the Springboard Ratio Foundation in partnership with the Multimedia Group and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, UMB Bank, and the Enterprise Group with support from the Graphic Communications Group and My Joy Online. So, if you missed out the Springboard virtual convocation of the Ratio last week for any reason, just find the speeches by Dr. Jess IE and Nana Jumobene on my YouTube page, Albert Okran, and subscribe while you are there, and you will find them very, very instructive. So, today we begin a brand new series called My Top 10. You're finding out the most important principles or lessons that undergird the lives of accomplished people, and even more importantly, the experiences that led them to these lessons. And I want to start with somebody that I've known for 50 years. Yes, 50 years. He's a legal practitioner and an award-winning technology innovator. And it's my joy to welcome the CEO of the Margins Group, Mr. Moses K. Baden, to the Virtual University. Moses, good to see you. Thank you, Albert. I'm happy to be here. I, the last time we had you was, must be the 2017 Festival of Ideas as keynote speaker. I think so. It's a long time ago. And it was a great experience. I'm glad that it was. 
So, there's so much I would like to pinch from 30 years of business experience. And I must say congratulations, 30 years. So two things strike me as we start this conversation. The first is 30 years of experience. And the second is a $100 starting investment. I'm sure many people say, oh, that, that can't be true. Let's talk about that before we start with your big lessons, Moses. Well, yeah, time flies when you're having a good time. And uh, it's been from 23 when I started my first business in my father's garage. And I find I'm 55. And 30 years has gone just like that. And um, this $100 story uh, just proves that um, no obstacle should be in the way of one's vision and purpose. And the way there's a will, there's always a way. Uh, wherever you lack resource in one area, you have resource in another. And when you don't have your resources, you have other people's resources to combine with your resources to achieve what you want to achieve. So let's not despise small beginnings. Uh, no matter where we're starting from, it's the, the mind and the passion that drives us to where we want to get to. I'm sure I'm already teasing out the lessons of your life, but the purpose of today's discussion, as well as those that would follow, is to hold the hands of the next generation of people coming through. I had the privilege of knowing your father, and he inspired me a lot because he was the consummate entrepreneur, and I would just watch him and, 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 and wonder how he did what he did. So just the picture of what you are doing and the lessons of your life could really possibly inspire many others to reach out and do themselves, if I may say so. So we are hoping through this series to raise many more Moses Badings, many more people living out their dreams in business, in any other area that they've chosen to go into. Do you sometimes think about what it would be like to have many more 30-year-old businesses in this country and the impact it would have on unemployment? Well, that's the whole point. Uh, a society, an economy, a political um, environment and system is always changed by people, I would say. So the most important thing that we have in a business and in a country is our human resource. So depending on the values, the orientation of that human resource and what is the, what fulfills them, it can determine what happens. You know, uh, some of these are under an apple tree and at the apple. It's the same two people sitting under the tree. It depends what they do with the apple. So it's this... Um, uh, transferring of uh, know-how, transferring of uh, the orientation of the mind and, and the values that people strive for. It's very important in the transformational agenda. It's a, after all, the same brain. So it's about what we put into it. And I've, I've always said that the, in that respect, I believe that we can transform Africa in a decade because of our demographics. And the, Last point on that. Do you, do you think we should amend our educational our approach to education because obviously the kind of thing you are doing you probably were not exposed to it in the regular educational curriculum from primary school to secondary school I have a crazy notion that entrepreneurship should be introduced in some form I mean playful form to people as, as early as in primary school is, is it crazy? I like, I like the word playful but definitely, education is in different forms. And the most instructive ones is actually mentorship and apprenticeship, when you actually apply the knowledge to solve problems. And I think there's a big um, uh, division between the, the value that people put on academic uh, education as opposed to problem solving. You know? and, I, and the reason why I like the word playful is that uh, the medium of instruction must be such that people can remember the lessons of applying knowledge and you know my mother she was a teacher but the way she always taught you was through games and play so you actually learn without feeling the pain of it you know you had to act the drama series whether it was the merchant of venice or it was uh, shakespeare's othello or macbeth you play parts and you discuss lessons learned so it wasn't like you have to learn it by rote so you develop the love for literature 
and uh, love for words, and uh, you develop some deep thinking abilities and some imagination. So play is very good. So we, we don't think of um, uh, knowledge transfer only in the formal structure. Of course, there's some discipline learning basic math or science or uh, syntaxes, grammar, and so on. But above that, that's, I think we put too much emphasis, and in our society, we glorify academics. It has its place, but at the end of the day, we're living to solve problems. You know? So if, if that knowledge does not solve problems, then it's, uh, it's irrelevant. You know, um, people ask, okay, why do you learn old Latin maxims? Why do you learn Shakespeare? Why do you learn? That's fine. If you just learn it for learning's sake, then it, it, there's no lessons there. But for instance, if in Shakespeare discover several characters, these characters actually exist in life. And you can recognize them when you study them deeply, not from an academic point of view but from recognizing that people are driven by different things. So you have an Iago everywhere you go. You must recognize an Iago. <laughs> you have an Othello everywhere you go. You must recognize that. You have the man in Aikwema's uh, beautiful ones. You must recognize the man with no power, struggling against a system that's corrupting against him. These are all characters in, in, in our lives. And when we, we understand deeply, why not just the, the, the characters that they appear in the book, but the big, deep philosophical reasons why these characters are created. We're able to better deal with the dynamics in our lives as to what character we want to play, you know, and the consequences of these characters when we, we look through a spectrum of um, uh, a lifespan, you know. So those, those lessons, that deeper thinking, that problem-solving skills, those uh, reflective uh, values, they guide us in complex situations. Uh, this is too, too short a time. I could go on forever. But, you know, it's a much more deeper appreciation of life. Um, Interesting. For somebody who is into technology, you have you've not abandoned <laughs> your literature and philosophical orientation. And just to add that complex problem solving is one of the top ten attributes that the World Economic Forum identified for anyone who wants to stay relevant beyond the year 2025. So you hit the nail right there on the head. Moses, let's go to the top 10 principles of your life. And for the benefit of our viewers, we'll, we'll take the first five. What are some of the strongest principles that you believe in? If, if You can call them commandments, you can call them lessons, you can call them principles, but what are the top things that you hold very dear? And so we'll just first list the first five and then find out why? What made you settle on them? Well, since I got your invitation asking me to do this, I've been thinking and trying to reorder my thoughts in order to... to um, there are several principles, but I've selected what uh, I think are the top important ones, whether that's for business or it's for living. First of all, there must be a purpose to your life or a purpose to a business, a purpose to everything you do. And um, so we have to examine purpose in order to find relevance and fulfillment. But there could be several purposes during a lifetime. So what will be the next principle after purpose will be passion. You know, uh, we can be disciplined, uh, and we can be taught discipline uh, um, from the home and from the school, depending on what good home you come from or what good school you come from. But discipline only goes so far. You know, it's a certain regime that makes life easy by routinizing setting actions that makes you operate in this world. But beyond that, what really will keep you up? You can do that by discipline, you know. But to be much more impactful, it's what you love. And that's the first commandment. <laughs> love. Love drives everything. Love is passion. It's what pushes you and what keeps you up and what makes you uh, have a competitive edge in business. It's what gives you a good marriage. It's what takes you through challenging times because you love something. Sometimes it doesn't translate into financial gain or wealth accumulation, but it makes you happy. But if you can combine that with some sort of uh, financial freedom, it'll bring you some kind of fulfillment. So passion, it flows from the soul. It's not 
because you, you've been taught a certain regime. That will, will keep you focused over time, 30 years, whether you're making a lot of money or not. And invariably, if you're passionate about something, you can do incredible things, you know, on a global level because you're invested, and not because you're so smart. There are a lot of smart people, but because you're passionate about what you do. So that would be number two. Number three would be values. You know, because values define which range of passions you pursue and which range of purposes you pursue. So for instance, if you find out that you're a good chief, <laughs> that can make you wealthy, but it's illegal, right? So if your value says that I don't want to do anything that results in, uh, that is, is the proceeds of crime, that's a value. If you say that I don't do anything that I'm not passionate about, I don't want to do anything that does not have integrity. I don't want to do anything that I do alone. I want to do it to the team to have a bigger impact. I don't want to do anything that's not exciting, that's mundane, that does not result in an innovating change, innovative change in the status quo, uh, to produce something that is inspiring and, and you know, um, inspires my team, you know, then I'm not going to do it. So, so that's values. The values I just told you are the values of margins, of course, which is pretty. Passion, respect. So, so let's do the first three. Mm. You started with purpose. Purpose. And then you went to passion. Passion, values. values. Yes. And then whatever you do, I mean, you don't... Um, when you die, I don't know whether you remember the richest man in 1921 in Ghana. Do you? No. Okay. So it's not money that really matters. You must also recognize that you're living as a human being. And uh, the human needs that you have that don't necessarily translate into financial uh, results. So you have to have a work-life balance. And then you have to, to be humane in everything that you do. Uh, you have to impact humanity and uh, leave some footprints on the sound of time. Your life must be significant. You know, in that in that in that in that sense, and um, you have to grapple with uh, a life-work balance. You know, and a life-work balance is, is not prescriptive; it's different for everybody. You know, and the last one to be talking about, <laughs> you know, work-life balance. But you know, my partner, my wife, you know, helps me along that balance. That means that we have different roles that we play. I'm good at some things. I'm not good at some things. Do you still do, you still do karate? Uh, not of late. I'm, I'm trying to start again. I just bought a new kimono. And, your you clients know, knew that you were, you were a black belt in karate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you see, so that's why the, the, the uh, purpose, everybody has several talents. And you know, as a super athlete, uh, both on the, on the track, on the field, in football, and most, what most people remember me as... I think your clients should come and see me for, for, for the biography. Because if I'm not wrong, you were the goalkeeper as well who was in school. Yes, yes, yes. I was goalkeeper. I did hurdles. So just, just for those of you who see the award we didn't see, you think it's, it's group C. Most of the, the school goalkeeper in primary school and the black belt, karate black belt in secondary school. Yeah, that, that I was actually the national champion or champion by the time I was 17. Yeah. And that's because... I mean, I like profound things, and, and you know, I, Chinese martial arts, all the different kinds of martial arts, later African goju, kung fu, taekwondo, jiu-jitsu. Jiu -jitsu. These were things that I was interested in. And uh, I applied myself to it, as you know, by, by the time I was in Form 2, I was school champion. Form 3, I was lightweight champion. By Form 5, I was national middleweight champion. Uh, after Form 5, I was national champion of champions, you know. And it's just the discipline and the joy of getting into um, a very serious physical regime, uniting your soul and your body, uh, and feeling that energy that comes with that high level of training. You know, if you haven't experienced it before. Do you find, do you find the, the experience of martial arts and the discipline that comes with it percolating into your business approach and outlook? Sure. I mean, athletics, martial arts, and so on, it combines all the skills that you need in business and in life. I mean, first of all, you have to be consistent. Before you can get your body into a super lethal weapon, 
You need to be jogging three kilometers every day. You need to be able to do 100, 200 press-ups a day. You need to do all the rigorous exercises. You need to do kata. Then you have to synchronize your moves, your breathing, your muscles. And at the time you're a championship, you have to be a complete machine. Your body, your soul, your mind should be at one, you know. Now my body cannot do the things that I used to do. <laughs> but you know, I used to be able to jump over 15 people. You remember? You know, I, I used to be able to smash a board three meters up. You know, but all that takes. I mean, look at my hands now. They used to be very different. But to get your hands to a level where you can break bricks and so on, it's it's about a year of conditioning. It's a very long time. You have to be very determined and very passionate. So then again, you're good at sports, you're good at history, you're good at... So you have to choose one thing that you do out of all the things that you're good at. You can't do everything. So some phases of your life, you do some things, you know, and, and then you transition, you have to make a choice. So is, is, is that what you call purpose? That yes. you understand that the purpose is multifaceted exactly. and also transitions? And you can't do everything. You know, I did most things that I loved, but I think in life you can do maybe two or three things very well. And that's about it. When I finished law school, I was in the top of my class in terms of percentiles. I was a teaching assistant, um, and it's time I taught jurisprudence. I was supposed to be a teaching assistant in the law faculty in jurisprudence. And most people thought that I, I thrown away my legal career and I'd gone into business, I was carrying a bag around trying to sell stuff. But I knew I was never going to practice law, although I love the law. And I dare say that it's probably, the, for me, one of the best degrees for business. You know? But I learned it to understand and love it, not to practice. People found that very odd. You know? But I knew I wanted to be a business uh, person. And I knew that I wanted to um, prove that you could build a multinational company from Africa. You know? There's so many things I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Harvard. I never got there because I started the business. And after a while, I thought that, okay, I'd rather hire Harvard people. <laughs> you know, I so, like so, you know, I haven't had a day of education outside Ghana. I've had education in the world, in maybe 56 countries, but many people who've taught me a lot of things. But not formally sit in a class to do an MBA. I'm a lawyer after all. <laughs> you know, that's what I, I learned in school. But that's not what should limit you. If you want to pursue knowledge, there are people that uh, know uh, you just have to know the right person to ask. And when you ask, don't forget the answer. You know. Ask questions. And I'm asking you questions because there's so many <laughs> things I'd like to find out. But let me summarize your lesson so far. We've talked about purpose. We talked about purpose. We talked about passion. passion. We talked about values. Values. And we talked about humanity. Knowing what you have to achieve in terms of a life work balance. And also the significance of your life on, on humanity. Some will call it legacy. Yeah, well, yeah. Legacy in as much as it's, it's in tune with your core competency. Okay. Yeah. So Some values and the fourth is humanity. That. Yes. What would be the fifth? The um, fifth one will be knowledge. That's what we just talked about. That, you know, in one lifetime, it's not possible to learn everything that there is in life. So one has to recognize that to get relevant knowledge, you should, first of all, you can read, take short courses, understand, where you, search for the information you need. Then you must find people who have done it before. You can spend 50 years. In my case, you, I have some things that I've learned about 30 years. I've also been taught by other people that I didn't just wake up and have the knowledge in me. But if a young entrepreneur, uh, wanted to know something important that I've done for 30 years. All they have to do is think about the question that they want to ask. Make sure it's precise. Make sure they ask the question, listen to the answer, and don't forget the answer. Because that's 30 years of work. Ask good questions, listen to the answer, and don't forget the answer. Yes. Talking of which, I'm going to bring, a, after the break, bring a, a young person starting out in life to ask you a couple of questions. and. Uh, she's listening out there, so you are saying she should ask deep questions. Yeah. Listen carefully to the answer and, and Don't not forget. forget the answer. When I was younger, in my 20s, I used to travel to China and Korea and many parts of the world. And I was confused because so many business problems I didn't understand. So I knew I was going to meet a global business leader. I prepared for weeks 
weeks, literally putting a question together. And if I went to a cocktail or a dinner and I was introduced to the person, I would say, Mr. X, I've been following you with this one thing I've been wanting to ask you that I can't solve. And I wonder if you can help me. He invariably say yes, what is it? And then I ask my question. And because I have just a short time, these people tend to have very little time. One question, precise, of a problem that I'm facing. I listen to the answer, and I don't forget the answer. I'm telling you, you, that is probably the strongest point you've made today, because you will find that in the course of your life, you may get into an opportunity where you meet somebody of great significance. And if you don't have this kind of orientation, exactly at the point where the person becomes available in your line of shot, mm-hmm. you could easily divert to the refreshment table instead of heading for the person with the, like a, with the beeline. You have lost the concentration. You go to a cocktail, you're thinking about the champagne you're going to drink. No, me, I've been thinking one week ahead. I don't even taste the coffee I'm drinking. Sometimes I even forget to eat at the dinner table. I have one question. I need an answer because I don't know the answer. And that question will unlock many problems for me, you know. So imagine, I mean, you, I met so many, so many great people all over the world, from Asia to Europe to southern parts of Africa. Uh, I want to come to you and ask you, the, the, the most impactful of these experiences that you mentioned, one or two, but at least one of them, Mm-hmm. that you met somebody and in that minute something was deposited that changed your orientation. If you just joined us, this is Springboard of Virtual University. I have the pleasure of hosting the group CEO of the Margins Group, trying to find out the top 10 principles that undergird his life and very importantly, some of the personal and business experiences that helped ingrain those principles in his mind, and if I may add, in his heart. He's been talking to us about purpose, about passion, about values, about humanity, and very importantly, about knowledge. He says, listen, you must learn lifelong learning, you must read, and very importantly, seek out people who have knowledge. And when you meet them, you must be decisive. Ask serious questions. Listen attentively to the answer. And very importantly, don't forget the answer. Moses, beyond these five principles, I have a feeling from your last answer that focus must find itself somewhere in there. But maybe it may, it may be under discipline, which you put under passion. But let's push on. What will be the principle number six? Well, six principle would be to embrace change. Embrace change. Because it's constant. You know, people are afraid of change. So when they get to a comfort zone, they want to stay there. But you know, life is full of seasons. As the Bible says, there's a time and, uh, for everything, you know. And, and there are times and affairs of men, when they've taken by storm, leads on to fortune. If not, all their lives is spent in misery and in shallow. That's your season. But it, it's just a, a quotation. But everybody has opportunities. Everybody has opportunities if they are concentrated. You know. So if your outlook is one that embraces change, you're seeing that you, you can are looking spot for a change better? in the pattern in order to take advantage of the opportunity. Do you get me? When you're preparing, you're looking for a set of circumstances to come together where there's a change, so that the preparation that you've made can be made to bear. There's a season for everything. You can't go planting in winter. It would seem that the margins group went through a phase of growth that I don't want to call organic, but I mean, there was some, a growth pattern that was gentle. A gradient was quite gentle, mm-hmm. and then it rose with the building of the factory and all of a sudden, all over the world, there was a lot of talk about what you were doing. Do you find that there seems to be a long period where you keep sewing and nothing much happens or not enough for your liking and then you suddenly spiral? Will that be the pattern that... So, so that's where the purpose translates to a vision, a 
goals. And that's where the goals give you some milestones. And that's where you get your checklist of where you're going. And that's what brings focus, you know. So just to make it a little more practical, I am a lawyer, a barrister, but I was always interested in computers. So when I finished law school, I, I, I think I'm one of the first people to have had a, a laptop and, and a mail, email, CC mail. We're talking 1992, 93, you know, I had email, right, called CC mail. And it probably going to cost me my whole savings, about £3,500. And I wanted to be in the computer business because I was interested and passionate about computers. And I wanted to write code because I was interested in computers. But then I realized I didn't have enough money to go into the computer business because my brother was at a company in, in London which was selling computers and printers and software and all that. So because I didn't have the money to do that, I said, okay, there's definitely a change. We're moving into the computer Tesla computer world. I want to be involved, but I, I can't afford the capital that's needed to buy the computers. What else can I do in this change? You know. So I discovered that the computers will no longer print to typewriters. They'll print to laser printers, inkjet printers, and so on. They'll print on different kinds of substrates. Somebody had to do the finishing for them. Somebody had to hold them. So I focused on the things that the computers print because that was easy to focus on. And I set my goal on making sure that I could inspire a team of students to work with me on part-time basis as salespeople and say, hey guys, if we put these print finishing systems, binders, laminators, paper, toners, in the places where people were selling computers, we can have a consumable business. And we need just a thousand of them to get an average 10 above a thousand. And we can make a million dollars. So simple constructs. Because that's what we could do, leaving school, you know. So we did that. It's a long story. But so in 24 months, we made a million dollars. So you see the focus and, and the change and the focus, and, you know, wanting to see which part. So I abandoned trying to be a programmer. I abandoned trying to sell hardware, and I focused on that. And then I said, okay, I understand enough about IT. So I don't need to actually program. What I need to do is to be able to know what innovation I can bring to the table to create new, you know, solutions and services around IT for other people to use and telling the programmers what to do because I understand what they have to do. So we had this sort of confluence where we were somehow in the office market and then we started Lamination as the first company to introduce Lamination IDs in Ghana. So we had the choice. We could have been an office, office type uh, company. We could have been a distribution company, retail, and so on. But we chose to go into identity because we could see that that had some special knowledge that was on the board of IT and understanding materials and substrates and printing technology uh, and code and chips and all that. And it was a new market, a new green market. So we abandoned all the other ones, which seemed to be profitable. And then we went into this ID market. And we started somewhere around 96 or so. And by 1998, we created a whole new business. And our old business is now almost dead. And we have a whole new business in the identity ecosystem where we connect uh, electronic identities to product solutions and services across all platforms. You know. And that, that decision that identity uh, was going to be key, electronic identity was going to be key, not in the, in the ICT world that was taken over in the late 80s and 90s, but in the digitization ecosystem, the fourth industrial revolution, which is now also evolving. So the confluence of that put us in a place where we can offer our customers superior services, which is based on a deep knowledge of our industry and how to solve people's problems. You know? So the, the digitized ecosystem has also transferred the, the uh, advantages that markets and people have in different countries. Now, there's not capital that's really important. It's, it's, it's thinking, critical thinking and understanding what you want to, to do. Because it's the people that think and design that have the value, not the people that make them. Because the people that think design things for people to build. And the people that build don't necessarily know what the building is for. You know, so it's a different level of uh, industry that gives Africa, for instance, a big advantage. I mean, today we design things and build them all over the world. 
And even though they are built and also has to be built, the thinking, the design thinking is from us. Sometimes we, we build different parts of things and we put them together. The people that build the parts don't know what the integrated uh, finishing, finished product will do because it's, it's that of our team that critically brainstorms and thinks these things. So you're in control of your destiny in terms of what products and solutions and services you want to bring to your customers in the market. And because of that, you can scale. Because now, finding resource is global. You know, so we have people that work for us in different countries. Some of them have never been to Ghana before. They don't need to come to Ghana. You know, and, and we pay them. You know. And so it, it's a whole different thinking. So the focus and, and the direction, the journey, and the vision will take you where you're going. I, I, my, I say to my friends and, and some of my young friends that, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any car will take you there. Right. So if you're going to Takradi, you start going to Takradi. If, I'm not, if I, I don't say I'm going to a destination, I'm going in a direction. Because I might go past Takradi and go past Ivory Coast. Who knows? I might end up in the Gambia somewhere. Right. <laughs> you know, so I'm going west, right? And the air conditioned car comes and says, Tamale, Tamale, we have an S500, it's full. It's got a lot of drinks and food, and it's going to Tamale. I don't know. I'm not going to Tamale. So I'm not going to sit in the S500. But if you don't know where you're going, of course you sit in the S500, you end up in Tamale. And you say, but how did I get here? This is not where I'm going. You know, so that, that will, will other people's steps when you talk about focus. Right. Two teams seem to be running constantly through your presentation. One of them is critical thinking, the kind of thinking that looks beyond what the average person looks at. And then also a focus on problem solving. And so it would seem that you, you literally have the courage to walk away from what has worked for you at any time because you see a bigger world, a bigger opportunity. And that for me is, is very interesting. This is Springboard of Virtual University discussing today the first in our series of my top 10, the principles and the values or the lessons that undergird the lives of accomplished people. My guest for today, Moses K. Baden, CEO of the Margins Group, sharing with us so far lesson number one, purpose, two, passion, three, values, four, humanity, five, knowledge, and the number six, Embrace change because change is constant. When I come back from this break, I'll be finding out the four other lessons or principles in his life and also bring on my colleague Nicole Akufu to ask him one question. And let's see how big the question she asks is. We'll also be finding out from him one conversation that changed his whole outlook on life. Last week was great at the Springboard Virtual Convocation. If you missed it, find it on YouTube at Albert Okran or our Facebook pages and just relive that amazing experience. You will find on the stream people who came virtually and also won some huge wow moments. Talking about wow moments, there's a big one coming your way because the MTN wow moments that was launched at the convocation actually continues. So if you have not yet done so, these are the steps to win in the wow moment. In the month of May, I'm going to announce five winners. Not one, not two. Five winners. One every Sunday throughout the month of May. How do you win? Number one, download the MTN Pulse app and mash up. That is step one. Step two, get 10 of your friends, your family, your acquaintances to also download the MTN Pulse app and mash up and of course make a list of them and their numbers and then three send us your name your phone number and your list of pull that you have brought onto the app to info at springboard.com.gh or whatsapp it to us at 024-9999555 once we get that you are in there the good news is that throughout the month of may every single sunday or every single week on your virtual university, I'm going to announce one winner who will win a thousand Ghana cities worth of data or airtime. Someone said that will last you for two years at least. That is the benefit of the wow moment. So MTM Pulse wow moment, this is your chance to sign up. Download the app and mash up. When we come from the break, we'll continue this amazing conversation. Please don't go away. 
be left out. Download the MTN Pulse app from the App Store or Play Store to mash up all day, every day. You can also enjoy more mashup. Just buy the new Mega Bundle and get 3 gigabytes data, extra 400 megabytes for your social apps, and free MTN to MTN calls every Monday. So just go ahead, feel the pulse on MTN Pulse. Just be. We're good together everywhere you go. From tabletop trader to supermarket owner. At Enterprise, we take care of life's uncertainties so you're free to make your dreams a reality. Dream big with us. Enterprise, your advantage. UMB was established in 1972 as the premier bank for the corporate and private sector in Ghana. From our very beginning, as the only Ghanaian bank serving all categories of businesses, we set a standard for excellence and innovation over the past 45 years. We've built a financially healthy and strong bank, demonstrated our commitment to our customers and to growing businesses, and exhibited originality and innovation at every turn. At UMB, our focus is built around people, service, products and technology. These are the key to our present success and our future triumphs. At UMB, we are poised to make a difference not only with our customers, but also in the banking industry. We invite you to share in our future. Our future starts now with you. From football fan to football star. At Enterprise, we take care of life's uncertainties, so you're free to make your dreams a reality. Dream big with us. Enterprise, your advantage. Welcome back to Springboard Investor University and to this amazing conversation, the first in our series on the top 10, and I have the honor of hosting Moses K. Badings, Group CEO of the Margins Group. Moses, walk us through the, the remaining four, and then let's find out what led to those thoughts. So when you know your customers and you know what products and solutions and services will serve their needs, the products come after the needs because the customer's needs are constant. But the products and solutions and services that meet those needs, they change. So as long as you know the need that you're trying to fulfill and you know the effective market size and the difficulty there is to scale, to meet that market size that you want, then you have a framework within which you think. Number eight would be, uh, well, when you've done all that business and you've built a global business, you also have to think about what sort of, um, apart from the passion that drives you, what will sustain you on that journey? I thought about life or balance, but you need inner peace. And so even in choosing a partner for marriage and, and keeping an environment in your home, if you really want to be an effective leader and perform at a certain level, it's a lot of stress, as you know. And sometimes you're doing 80, 20 hours for years. And you need peace at home. You need a family framework. You need support. You need people that will help you go through the difficulties. Can the absence of a peaceful home mm. potentially fight your business team? Yeah. And it could even end your life prematurely. Mm. Number nine will be, you have to, in all, that's what you mentioned, in everything that you do, whether it's a non-profit, whether it's for profit, whether you're Madame Teresa, whether, you have to understand the principles of money. Understand the principle of money. The principles of not, money. I have a feeling that would be the number one. <laughs> <laughs> money and rules. You know, the first yeah. time you said this to me, I'm trying to remember was in the early 90s. Yeah. I'm sure you don't remember I don't remember, no. Early 90s means probably about how many years now? Oh, 30 years. Yes. You said this yeah. to me 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember exactly where we were standing when you said it. Yeah. You asked me in a different way, but come, let's come back to it. My father what, told me how to understand money. What is the language of money? What, what are the principles well, of money? F- what does it mean? It's not even complicated. You don't have an MBA to, to understand it. The first thing is that my father told me is that you should... Even when you are hungry, you should never kill the hen that lays the eggs. And when you learn that principle, you learn to cut your coat according to your size. Do you get me? Don't fool other people in, in spending money that you haven't earned. And never borrow 
for consumption. And when you borrow, almost make sure that you can cover the risk. I have a feeling that it's it's a lesson that many startups are battling with. So it's, it's the mind. You know, the young people today, they want everything now. And they are living in this millennial social media world where people make videos about things that are not really true. They have this, they have that, they have that. But, you know, if you have a deep sense of where you're going, you have priorities. I mean, I was telling some young people that when I, I, I bought my first flat when I was 24, right? And um, I never paid rent before. So I had a bed for several years, maybe six years. I had only a bed and a fridge and a small TV, no curtains. But I was buying hundreds of hundreds of thousands worth of stock. But I couldn't afford to buy curtains. My friend said, so why don't you just buy curtains? I said, I can't afford it. So what do you mean by you can't afford? You see, because you have a sense of what your priorities are. Last you point, know. 10 point. Well, you also have to strive for excellence. Strive for excellence? Yeah, if you are going to play, play in the Premier League, don't play in a cold team. I mean, you may start in the cold team, but aim to be in the Premiership. I, I, I mean, personally, I advise young members of my team that, listen, you're learning stuff. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm stuck in the middle, I don't know where I'm going. But when you apply yourself, you volunteer, you, 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 you volunteer, you seek. If there's a project, you volunteer to do it because you're working with a great director. You know, we have some very great people on our team. A lot of great people, a lot of them fans from boys as well that you know, you know. And uh, as a young person, when you work with people, you should volunteer. You know, all these sort of, that's my frustration. It's, it's what's in people's minds. They're rather going to talk some politics, do something stupid. I mean, there's a whole world, a wide world of things to do. You have a great person you're working with. Learn everything you can. Think rationally. Don't worry about the other man and what he has. And it, Those are small-minded things. And that's exactly why we brought you here on Springboard, to open up the next generation to possibilities they may not have considered. Talking about the next generation, I have Nicola Kufu. Um, in the studio today, I, I purposefully brought her to ask you a question. And you say, you've said what you want to hear. That the question should be, like, good. Nicole, have you been on radio before? Just once. You have? Yes. Okay, so today you're, you're, it's your turn to ask Mr. Baden a, a question. Um, I'm sure listening to his story, you, you are probably looking at yourself and saying, one day we'll also get there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so over to you. Ask Mr. Baden your question. Thank you so much for such an insightful session. During your discussion, you said something that struck me. You said, examine your purpose in order to find relevance and fulfillment in life. After law school, you decided to enter into the business world. What made you certain that this was what you wanted to do at a young age of 23? Um, for me, I, I must say that I, it's quite easy for me. My father was an extraordinary businessman. And without knowing it, he had been taking me to work and putting me in all kinds of very difficult situations, from fitting shops to sitting in a cheaper truck in the transport company to taking stock and selling spare parts to supervise and build and working with laborers, all that. So in, in that sense, from an early age, you, you, you build a certain passion to, 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 to start from ground zero and build things. And you get the confidence that you can do it. Uh, and in that sense, I might say that I'm lucky. So it's a passion. And passion doesn't necessarily have to translate into fabulous wealth, per se. You know, you start something that you're passionate about. And I could tell you several stories about people doing things. My own brother-in-law, Bishop Ewood Mills, started this church in a dining hall in Kodibu. I used to go. And today, he sells, he sold about 30 million books. And I never thought that, you know, writing books like Albert does. You can sell 30 million books. But that's a passion for books. I don't know whether, in this case, it, it was a business, but if you made a dollar for a book that 30 million people want to buy, yeah. that's 30 million dollars. Yeah. Somebody could decide to be a corrupt official and steal as much money from the national place as possible. And, and to what effect? Yeah. You know. So, so Albert is changing lives, talking to people. Yeah. I believe in what he's doing. Yeah. You know, and me and him share a lot of uh, values, and we've been to the same schools. We actually lived in the same house before, so it's, it's helping out something to 
to do. It's like, oh, Abed's coming, we'll go. Let's postpone this and then we'll go have a conversation with him. So we're driven by what we're passionate about. I believe sincerely, and this is not something that you put in a book just by saying that whatever you put your mind to, whether it's writing books like my brother-in-law or doing uh, what Abed is doing to change lives, you have an impact. And if that makes him happy, it gives him significance. That's what I was talking about. So if you identify, you could also do something. He used to own a printing press before, right? Apart from being a good writer, he's got several skills. But I'm glad that he's chosen one. You get me? Yeah. At the end of the day, he's, I'm sure you've done two or three things in your life. Yeah. You've chosen one. Look at what the great impact has made. Not because you are going to make a ton of money. I don't think in the beginning you're thinking about money. But today, the lives that you impact, and then you still have to consider the rules of money, because I dare say that the studio costs money, right? We have to have cash flow <laughs> to make sure that the, the, the show is, is significant enough to have the likes of MTN and Enterprise Insurance and maybe Margins in the future wanting to put money in it. We love him, but that's not because of that, but because he has visibility and it carries some brand uh, communication. So that, that's what I mean. I don't know what your passion is. And sometimes people are waiting for their mentors to tell them where their passion is. It doesn't work that way. It must be you yourself. Yeah, it's a spring from the soul. And who knows what will happen. You owe me two answers before we wrap up in two minutes. Yeah. And the first is about, did you ever have an encounter with someone that you spoke to for just a minute or a couple of minutes or an hour, or just in one interaction you were like... Oh, several. I remember when I was uh, maybe 25, you know, I've been buying from this Swiss company and they give me some small credit. They had a small office in London. They give me some 10,000, 20,000. And I said, I need a bigger credit. So they said, Moses, like, the day that you buy 100,000 pounds, was it 100 or 200,000 pounds, will then take you to another business so that you can speak to you about what you want to do in a credit. So the day I hit the 200,000 pound sale, I called up this German guy. Hi, Raylan, you look at my account. He said, hey, Moses, you this. yeah, you promised me we have to go and meet the doctor. It was got Dr. Wolfensberger. And so he said, okay, we're going to go to CBIT, which was a trade fair in Hanover. And we're going to see the doctor. I, I booked an appointment for you. And this was a really rich guy, very important guy. We went to this CBIT fair in Hanover. They used to have it every year. Now, the fair, I was the only black person at that fair at that time. It was a big computer fair. I told you I was interested in computer. I was the only person who was going there for years. I'll never see another black man, because the black people were probably not interested in that, right? So we went and sat in this booth, and there's a long queue of very well-dressed white males, mostly, and very expensive suits and ties. I had to be looking at mine all the time, you know. And I was the last person to see him. So when I came in, I said, oh, Mr. Baden, so what can I do for you? I know this is when you have a short time. So I said, you know, I want to represent you in West Africa. He said, really? Okay. Why is that? What do you want to do? So I, I brought out my, I was a lawyer, I wasn't a business person then, right? <laughs> I mean, in terms of knowing really, you know, pictures are taking, what I was doing, the markets I was going to go into. So when I finished talking, plans, he, he just asked me three questions. He said, what kind of government has Ghana got? This has been loving 95. So I said, we're a democracy. How long has a democracy been? I said, two years. It's okay. What's your GDP? I didn't know that. So I said, I didn't know. He said, okay. I can tell you. So he told me. Then he said, what's your population? So I told him. Then he said to me that, you know, you're a remarkable young man. You're very passionate. I can see that you're going to do very well. But uh, I give you all the rights for West Africa. You can have the whole market exclusive. So I said, okay. He said, by the way, can you join me at dinner today at the Queen's Hotel? The Queen's Hotel is the most expensive hotel in Queen's. I was staying with some Ghana family in Somewhere in Hanover, I could hardly afford the, you know, I could afford, but I didn't want to pay for the taxi fares and all that. Anyway, so in the evening, I went to the Queen's Hotel and I was thinking, why is this guy asking these questions? So he sat me right by him. And so after a while, I asked him, Doc, I want to know something. I know that you're a doctor of economics and I'm just a lawyer, I don't understand. What's the input? He asked me these three questions. Why is that? He said, oh, it's very simple. If the government is not stable, then the economy will be bad, it's not predictable. That's one. So before you make an investment, we have to look at how long the government is stable because there'll be risk. And two, when you know the GDP of the country, you know the population, you can do GDP and population analysis across countries and you can see the market size. 
And because our policy is not to go into some markets of the certain size, because it's too expensive and too risky for us, we prefer to work with partners. So you see, <laughs> that was the conversation. So now I understand it, and I'll just give you that lesson in one of my ten, right? right. Somebody told me that. So, so, so you, so you talked about the kind of thinking that you, you, you have, and this definitely was one of the things. I oh yes, about. you can imagine. He just gave me forty years of experience. What's the sign of your outlook into the future? Mindset, knowledge, orientation, critical thinking is going to control the world. Not being capital. I think that the demographics of Africa with a young population that has the raw material for this age is critical. Policy, both public and private in companies should be focused on renting the minds of this raw material, which is unique to us, and putting in the critical thinking and the content that will create the mind that will shape tomorrow. Moses Baden, you've really lit up uh, show today with some very inspiring thoughts and for the benefit of those who may be asking alright so I just joined in and this has been so great let me remind you that purpose, passion values, humanity knowledge embrace change, know your customers, inner peace Number nine, understand the principles of money. And number 10, strive for excellence are the 10 commandments of Moses Bede. Let me add 11. Employ smart people. Mm. He said it several times in his presentation, and I know, I know he does that for a fact, so I'll add it for him. Let me come to you, Nicole, to sign off and tell me one big thing you've learned from today. So in everything, he says that the world has needs. And in order to meet those needs, you have to gain knowledge. But you have to gain knowledge that solves problems. That's what I'm, that's my key takeaway from this section. I'm going to ask you five years from now what you did with what you learned from Mr. Baden because I'm learning some very significant things myself and I'm going to account for them in a big way that this had. Most I want to say a big thank you to you for coming. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure. It's been an amazing, yeah. amazing experience and we look forward to doing this again. Definitely. Let Very me thank well. the, t- the team at Margins that's helped coordinate this this interview, Akia and the whole crew at Margins. God bless you so much. So this is Springboard and Virtual University. This is the first in our series of discussions on, on top 10, and Mr. Baden has literally raised the bar. Next, you join us once again as we explore the principles that undergird the lives of accomplished people and the experiences that help them to arrive at those principles. I have several learnings from today and I'm struggling to choose between meeting the rich man and the learning from that one or how to ask questions, listen to the answer and remember them. But I'm going to settle on one thing. Having a mattress, putting it on the floor, having a small fridge and not buying curtains. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Let's do this again next week. On behalf of Comfort and Team Springboard, I want to say a big thank you to the Multimedia Group for partnering us in this venture and to our sponsors, MTN Pulse, UMB Bank, the Enterprise Group, and the Graphic Business. Join us on Tuesday in the Graphic Business for a transcript of this interview and take your time and read the lessons over and over again. My name is Albert Okran. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. I'm out.
escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.